Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things Scream Free. My name is John Allen Turner, and the guy over there dressed in all the spring colors. That's what I'm trying to do. Is Hal Edward Rumpel, because it has not been spring. But it is now. Today. Today is spring, right? Well, it's still a little cold. Uh, well, but that's what spring is supposed to be, a little 50, chilly in the 50 morning. 50 degrees. It, it was, so was it 50? Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. No, it's nice. It it's was, yeah. I, I'm and just it's glad to see beautiful sunny. The sunshine. And it's supposed to be it's supposed to warm up into the high 60s, maybe the low 70s today. Of course, I'll be uh, driving Gorgeous. down to uh, Wiregrass Country down there in uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Is that what they call it? Wiregrass yeah. Country? Yeah, 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 because that's the, the kind of grass that grows down there. As you get close to the uh, Panhandle and the Gulf Coast, that grass, the blades of grass, they're called wiregrass. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. little geography lesson there for you. I learned I'm that from my friends in Dothan. Thrilled. So I'm going that. to Fort Rucker, and it's supposed to be like mid-80s. Maybe ninety Sweet. later this week. So sweet. Now that yeah. was that, that's what I grew up with. Is yeah, that's the that's spring. Spring. Yeah, sure. And because summer fe- summer is a hundred. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So spring is eighty five. And that's February, where I grew <laughs> up with, in Houston. Oh, uh, yeah. Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm, do you miss it? No. <laughs> Not in any way. I still I still check the uh, Chronicle sports page every morning on, Do you? online, okay. Houston Chronicle, because I still follow those sports. But no, I don't miss growing up there. It's hotter. What's the? There's a Lyle Lovett song. It's hotter than than asphalt in July in Houston. <laughs> like that's it, it, that's it, where it, he grew up. Yeah, hotter than asphalt is hot. Yes, in July is hotter. In Houston is the hottest. There you go. That's that's the progression of that. It's such a great line. And if you've ever been there, you understand. you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh... But speaking of growing up, yes, yes, that's where I grew up, and I think we were the first generation that was really those of us the you know late sixties, early seventies mm-hmm. um, were the first that were. Pounded upon with the self-esteem message. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's uh, that that self-esteem movement really took off in the in the early seventies. Well, it was based on some re- research in the late sixties. Yeah, about these findings that found out that students who perform well also had a high positive self-regard. And so, in the possibly the greatest case of putting the uh, horse or right. the, the cart yeah, before, before the, the horse. horse yeah. Uh, we decided that uh, if they feel good about themselves, then they'll perform well. Exactly. So, And so we reversed everything. What we need to do is make them feel good about themselves. Yes, everything is about making the kids feel good about themselves. Right. Never tell them that they've done something bad. Right. Never. Uh, so, so social promotion right. came through that, and uh, and eventually to the point where everyone gets the trophy, uh, a ribbon, right, everyone sure, gets sure. a trophy. Which I don't really yeah, have that, that kind big of, of a stuff. problem with. It, it was just the messaging that... Yeah. There's an interesting Hebrew proverb yes. that does not get uh, stated very often, but it's it's something about um, be wary of when you are praised. That, that that's when you right. are tested. Right. The test is when you get praised. Yeah. So we don't we kind of bypass that whole thing by saying that's not a test. That's the greatest gift we can give to them is, is you know effusive yeah. praise. All the time, and one of the messages that was I always found, I always found confusing growing up, but we still do it. Okay, a lot. 
to our kids. But I found it confusing because it seemed to go against some other messages. And the, the main message was be yourself. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Be yourself. Yourself is good enough as it is. Be yourself. There was a right? PSA I remember when I was a kid yeah. that had a little boy, and he was trying on all these different outfits. Okay. He was try he would be a cowboy, he would be a construction right. guy, sure. he would be a doctor, he would be an astronaut, all this He kind ended of stuff. up in 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 sorry. Yeah, he ended up in the in, in, in the, the village, village people. people. Yes. He was he knew the where I was people. going. Wow. Uh but but in the end and there was a little jingle. See, that that's they used what to happens sing. if you praise your kids, they <laughs> end up they end up in a village. gay man's disco band. <laughs> <laughs> that's the message here, kids. All right, that that's you must chill. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It, it ended up with this uh, this little song that they would yes. sing about it, "Be yourself." Oh, be yourself. okay. Remember yes, that, right? I remember that. So, wow. Uh, and, and and it really was about this kid who tried on all these different outfits, right. and then in the end, he was more comfortable being himself. But what when you when you're eight, how do you know what you yourself know what that is. is? Also, yeah. though, when you are mess, one of the praise messages I received all the time, and I know you did as well, mm-hmm. is that I was full of potential. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Full of potential that maybe you did something early on, you know, maybe you were a piano player mm-hmm. or you, you got mom's craziness and were able to point it out and people said, mm-hmm. oh, it's an old head on young shoulders or <laughs> or or maybe you scored well on a test, you know, or something. And full, full of, of potential. You threw well with yeah. a right arm, whatever. And that always seemed to be a mixed message of be yourself, but full of potential means you're not yet. Yes. Yeah. Be yourself, but be more of yourself than yes. you currently than are. Than you currently yes. are. And that and if you so, could ever really become yourself. Then, but and yet <clears throat> you don't want to be full of yourself. Of course not. <laughs> Think yeah, about our language. Think about what our language funny. is is doing here. That's be funny. yourself, yeah. be more of yourself, but, don't be full of yourself. And, and because that was another image. Oh, that, I mean, that was another absolutely. thing that was that was really impressed upon us was never think too much of yourself. Yes. So we had this kind of strange uh, Reformation legacy, right. you know, thing layered over us. Don't think too much of yourself because you know you you know you're. Oh, a what sinner. was called? Uh, who calls it the the disciplines guy? Richard Foster calls it the worm, worm theology, theology yes. for such a worm as I. That we was had one that, of the lines yeah, in, yes, a, in, a, that, in an old hymn. Regard, even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, that that kind of. Protestant that legacy, yeah, legacy has been there. You know that uh, that we are worthless yeah. and unable to help ourselves. So the so the self esteem movement is going directly against that, but it's contributing parents, to this mixed messaging, right? Parents in the seventies, uh, especially Christian parents, had some kind of like weird schizophrenia going on because right. they were they 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 were being pressured by society to tell your kids you know, positive things. You're awesome, yes. But at the same time, but you're not too awesome. Right. Don't, you know, don't think too highly of yourself, but I think the world of you. Right. It, it, it yeah. really created this sure. strange world to grow up in. And we have discontinued some of the things. We've discontinued the the, the worm theology stuff in, yes. in many, many ways. Yes. And we've really, in the 80s and 90s, just ramped up the praise stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot. 
you are the best. Yeah. Right? And then the positivity messages, remember, up with people. And oh, I have friends who were in up with people. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that, two friends. That two was a band friends. that basically had 45 members or it, something it, like that. It, yes. No, like 300. Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? And it was, uh, uh, they traveled, they toured the world. Yeah, I heard. So I know everybody thinks of them in terms of the Super Bowl. Right. But right. that was just one of their gigs. They would. Be, Go wow. all around the world, and it really was this positivity, you know, peace and harmony, thing. and sure. let's all get along kind of a, a hangover from the hippie era. Okay, you know, so like, like teach a... the world to sing. Oh yeah, yeah, in yeah, perfect yeah, harmony, yeah, yeah. Yes. kind of thing. Sure, sure. Which was seventies, actually. People, yeah, it was yeah. not sixties. It was. I remember that. Wow, I remember that commercial from the old Coca Cola commercial. Isn't it interesting? Uh, Jenny and I were talking about this the other day that we heard some jingle. And it, I don't think it was good times. It was, oh, it was Laverne and Shirley. Okay? We heard Laverne and Shirley. One, two, three, four, Your, five, six, seven, eight. Shamil Schlamazel. Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. incorporated. Uh, <laughs> we're going to And we know it. these things. And it, way, yes, and it takes way. us back. And we were instantly like, oh, my gosh, I'm five years old. <laughs> it was something about that. Now, then Good Times came on right after it. It was like a collage of things. And Oh, oh, you know what? Uh, have you seen uh, your friend? Oh, it, that's right. Terry it was. Cruz. It was Terry Crews doing all those. On the lip sync battle. It yeah, was yeah, yeah, No, it was, it was like, he was the host of the TV Land Awards, whatever those are. Oh, is that what he was? Yes, and that was the opening number. It was fantastic. Yeah, he did, um, well, on, on, uh, that yeah. one, and then he's going to be on lip sync uh, battle because he next was week with amazing. Mike Tyson. Oh my god! But he so he did. Um, okay, that's good TV right there. Right, that's... he did. Uh, let's. I'm trying to. Re- oh, um, uh, not Good Times, but uh, the Jeffersons. Yes, he did that. <laughs> so he did the Jeffersons, and then um, Gilligan's Island. He did that, and then it's all uh, the same thing. Uh, thank you for being a friend from Golden Girls, and saying it and straight Betty to Betty White, White yeah, yeah, yeah. who at 108 years old is still <laughs> rocking, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh, she's fantastic. So he was going through. Yes, he. They yeah, were all playing all of those, all songs. Of those yeah, songs. Now, Good Times, we said, did not take us back to the 70s, even though that's when it was on prime time yeah. because it was syndicated, In syndication. and it was on sure. four o'clock Central. Central every afternoon. Wow. Okay. And so that's what we did, yeah. right? Instead of watching Netflix like my kids, <laughs> we watched whatever was on syndication. while pretending so, to be studying. Of yeah, course, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So uh, I remember uh, maybe a little bit before that was um, Brady Bunch. Yeah, absolutely. I Brady Bunch used to come on, and sure, Good Times used sure. to come on, and all. But of Laverne those. and Shirley didn't get yeah. syndicated for a while, and so it like immediately, instantly took me back. And it, it uh, it's amazing how music and and media. This should tell just you just taps into. Yeah, yeah, this should tell you how powerful imaging is, and mm-hmm. right. It, I felt five years old. I felt seven years old. It was it was right there, and and there was a sense of. When I feel that way, it's a sense of helplessness. And I think that's one of the interesting things about the be yourself message that is confusing. is because telling a kid to be him or herself is difficult because they are a self in progress. Yeah. They are a self in the process of cre- formation. They, they don't know what... That's why they're trying on different outfits. We yeah, all tried on the, different yeah. things. You know, you, you went through a. Uh, did you go through a heavy metal phase or did you go through a rap phase? Or oh, I, ne- you, I never went through a rap phase. Parachute pants. Or yeah, anything I like did that? parachute. I, mean, dance? I did. Yeah, I did do a break dance phase. Okay, absolutely. No, and I had a Michael Jackson phase. I even okay. had a zipper filled leather jacket. Did you baby. really? Oh, the single sequin glove. The whole thing. I did have a single. <laughs> I still have that. Uh huh. 
I do. Yeah, there's actually a very good memory associated with that. Okay. But my mom had breast cancer, and she was in the hospital for a while. Mm. And while she was in the hospital, she made me a sequined white glove oh, that I still have that wow. thing. So we all had these sure. different costumes. Members only. Oh, we all had members, members only. only painter pants. I didn't have painter pants. No. <laughs> the painter pants. I had, no, I just had parachute pants and vans. Vans, yeah, and vans or Converse. Sure, or, sure. And yeah, then, yeah, and then sure. you know, we all tried out different things. Actually, those are far less embarrassing than my twenties. Uh, did you did you have a mullet? No, <laughs> I didn't have a mullet. I was married, and I was just. Uh, I, was I think just, I saw a picture of you with a mustache once. Oh, I had, I had no, I had a, I had a Van Dyke. Oh, okay. Thing, and then I had a beard at one point, and whatever. My, both Jenny and I are like, "Wow, yeah, I, I, we had we? an mm-hmm. oh, we had yeah. an ugly face." Well, and that's what I think. Night. You know, we like watching n- nostalgically. We sure. like watching shows, whether it's that '70s show or you right. know, which when we were kids, our parents watched Happy Days that way. Sure, you know, and yeah, now because yeah, it was the '50s, yeah. and now it's sort of the the Goldbergs, right? Right. right. We love watching that because it's the it, '80s, it, and right, it's all right. nostalgic, right. and uh, yeah. What I didn't get was the be yourself because here's my problem. I didn't like myself. Mm. Yeah. So what do you do if be yourself? Now, you can say from a therapeutic mindset, you should like yourself, and that's the problem is you don't like how yourself compares to everybody else, and you don't like the messages they're giving you, so you need to let go of those messages and be you. That's something I've thought about, and I don't want to chase this rabbit too far, but but, you know, because you and I are both theology nerds that we can get into this really deeply, but this is something I really have been thinking a lot about lately. Right. Uh, the, The Bible kind of cautions against some things, and it cautions against pride, and rightfully so, uh-huh. but it, it operates with this assumption that people fundamentally really love themselves. Yes. And I well, think... So many, especially Eastern scriptures, have that assumption in yeah, spades. Right. Right? I wonder if part of that uh, Reformation legacy and part of that worm theology right. hasn't fundamentally changed the way a lot of Western people think and feel oh. about themselves. Yeah, I remember a story about you know what I think I even included this in the parenting book. Maybe I should read. You should read your own book my sometime. Book. Yeah, I didn't even write that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I remember a story about um, uh, the Tibet guy. The Tibet guy. The Tibet guy. The the the, the Dalai, Dalai Lama. Lama. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gunga Gulunga. Gunga Gulunga. It's come off the rails. In yes, here. it has. If you don't know that, <laughs> you don't reference, get that reference, go Sorry. back to 1980. <laughs> <laughs> so the Dalai. So hey, um, Lama. Yes, Mr. Lama. Yes, and, and about he, a little something for the effort. He, he came to. A uh, Western psychology conference. Okay. On self hatred. Yeah. And he he still was uh, he at the end he, he came to kind of the organizers and said I, I I'm sorry uh, my English is failing me. <laughs> Are you actually saying self hatred? Because he had no category yeah. in his mind for anybody to have that concept. Right. Right. This kind of dread, this uh, yeah. existential angst about oh. uh, you know about who I am and self-loathing and yes. things like that. Yes, yeah. right. Uh, he had no concept in his mind for that, and in the Eastern mindset, doesn't it? Bas- right. Operates with this basic assumption, and I think it did. But 
we began to encounter that a lot, and I think it is a legacy of that worm theology. I mean, how can you say I'm a worm that needs God, and then... I expect that no man ever hated himself. Right. Which is a great... St. Cr- Paul writes, yeah, exactly. you know, no which man is, ever hated himself. Well, actually, that's not true. Not true anymore. Right. I don't, I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah, it'd be interesting to research if self-hatred is how much of it is a recent phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, certainly suicide rates have increased dramatically, but uh, over the last 150 mm-hmm. years, but that's interesting. So what, is, what does it mean when you're telling someone to be themselves? You're trying to say... Especially if they don't like themselves. Yeah. yeah. You're trying to say be authentic. That, which is different. I think. Interesting. That's a good question, right? Is it? Is it? You know, what if... Here's another thing I was thought. What if being myself means, okay, Mom, I don't like how you talk to me. Mm. Or I don't like how you talk to Daddy. Mm. Yeah. That's me being myself. Yeah. Especially when Daddy's not here. Yeah. Me being myself, you know, Daddy, I don't like how uh, friendly you are with the neighbor. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. if I'm yeah, going to sure. really be myself, how much of myself am I allowed to be? Yeah. Which is a, a question I don't think ever goes away. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I think that I is... I think you and I are still oh, dealing with that now in well, our that's, 40s. That's the central question I believe in marriage. Mm-hmm. How much of myself am I allowed to be and still be connected to you? Well, that's the, the you know, I use a, a diagram when we do our trainings, uh-huh. talking about how I think the fundamental source of tension, and then tension mismanaged erupts into anxiety, yeah. is, um, uh, how, is, is trying to figure out how to be separate and together right. at the same time. Right. And how separate can we be and still be together? Sure. How together can we get... Without losing our separateness. And in order to be together, do I have to compromise central parts of me? Exactly. Which I will tell you, I believe, is the central cause of every divorce. Mm -hmm. Is not that I can't stand you, it's that I can't stand me when I'm with you. Right. I don't like who I am when you... And I feel, and this is part of the bad teaching I think we've all received about divorce, is about marriage, is that you're supposed to sacrifice you. Marriage requires sacrifice. It requires compromise, right? Again, a mixed message. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're supposed to be yourself. And so we are fascinated by marriages like um, uh, James Carville and um, Mm. uh, uh, Matlin. Political season. Because because how in the world, someone who is that left and someone who is that right, how can they be married together? Because we can't fathom that. We, I will tell you, you know, I, I'm not wanting to paint an in, uh, uh, a mental image of, of this, so okay. forgive yeah, me, but, but I here. will tell you, those types of couples have great sex. Oh, you see, why would you go yes. there? Have you seen James Carville? I don't really? know. That's what you want us they to? They have fantastic... The Raging Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is spicy sex. <laughs> spicy sex. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, that, they, because if you are able to be that clearly different, yeah, and and that, again, this is a word that we've started using on the podcast that we have uh, up to fairly recently avoided using, but that is what being differentiated from one another, yes, means yes that that they can hold their positions with integrity. And still be together. Right. 
which I believe is the central truth about relationship mm-hmm. that does not get said enough, and which uh, we have dedicated ourselves to try and teach in the world, is that finding the path towards harmony right. means you have to clearly sing your own melody. Okay, I, I, w- I would push back slightly. Okay. I would just say you have to sing your own notes. I mean, it's not necessarily the same, a different melody. It's just, it's just you know, they're different notes that okay. complement one another. They can. Can or, or can right. stand in tension. Sure. Hopefully that gets resolved. True. I mean, these are all musical terms. Yes, we're doing that. Yes. And there's dissonance. Yes. It's interesting that the highest art form musically yeah. by any music expert will tell you in terms of the most difficult to mm-hmm. play and, and the most actually difficult to appreciate is jazz. Yes. Improvised because jazz. it's not intuitive. It, At least it's not initially intuitive. There, well, it, it has freedom of dissonance mm-hmm. more than any other art form. And uh, when they play together, yes, they play together, and everybody listens, and everybody cooperates, and and people, you know, compromise, and people. But there is room within the structure of the music for you to stand out. So now you take the spotlight, and sure. I'm going to fade into the background, but sure. that's going to be reciprocated. Right. And I don't tell you what to play when you're taking your solo. Right. And you don't tell me what to play when I'm taking my there solo. There are some understood yep. rules, and it's mathematics. Yep. Right? Understood rules that within the 12 note, mm-hmm. right, w- within the key, there's these ranges you can go, right? Yeah. And most of us, there's a five-note differential that we can do, yeah. right? And we so can when, handle So that. when people are doing runs in a, in yeah. a hip-hop song or something, there's only yeah. five notes, right? And jazz allows a little more... A lot more yes, freedom. Freedom from that. But a lot of folks, it's really, really difficult to listen to <clears> because <throat> that dissonance can sometimes sound initially... Like noise. Grating. Yeah. And that's so different than pop music, which is designed to initially strike you as perfect. Yes. It's, and, and you catch it, and you get it. One of the incredible geniuses of the Beatles was that they were able to have that initial pop hook, mm-hmm. like on... Uh, I want to hold wanna, your hand. I want to hold your hand. Yeah. Right? And yet, they were able to throw in some things. Because there was a lot of bands that had hits that sounded like that mm-hmm. at the time. But then they were able to put a song like If I Fell, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, uh, Things We Said Today, which has this amazing switch from a negative tonal scale to a to positive. all of a sudden right. a positive. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing how they were able to do that. And, and that they were able to do that in a way that you still wanted to hear it. Yeah. It was different enough that it attracted you, and then it was same enough that it comforted you. And then they had some songs that would just take you on a journey, and it would start as one song. Yes. And the song itself would morph into, you know, I read the news today, oh boy. Sure. But then, you know, that the, where that song goes, and then where it comes back to, right? It, it's, it takes you on a journey. It does. And that is the perfect illustration <laughs> of the type of, call it, let's call it dissonant harmony. Mm-hmm. Of because that song, which is 
by the way, the greatest song ever recorded. <laughs> it's called A Day in the Life. Yes. Uh, I recently took my kids to see Love. In Las Vegas. In the, yeah, the Cirque du Soleil, Soleil show. Which yeah. I've seen before, but they had never seen. And they've been hearing the Beatles their whole lives. Sure. But, but uh, my daughter was like, just, okay, what's the name of that one? Yeah, right? yeah. Day in the Life. Yes. I mean, it, there is something so attractive. But that song, what's interesting about it is by the time that song was written, you had two very differing personalities. Right, with Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Who were, you know, so successful as a writing team mm-hmm. because of their different. Yes. But they were so different at that point that those were two separate songs that each one was writing. That they stitched together. Yes. Yeah. That it was George Martin, the producer, mm-hmm. who said, I think that's one song. And you think that that's very, very different to have those two songs. But what we're talking about is this idea that being yourself is exactly what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But you got to figure out what exactly notes yeah. do I want to sing that are most reflective of who I am. And sometimes that's going to be intervals like a third or a fifth that's, that feel... Initially. Great. Yes. And then there sometimes it's going to be a second or it's going to be a sixth. Right. And you're going to go, whoa, what is that? Right. It's I, one, of the, one of the things that's interesting about blues is you know exactly where it's going. Mm-hmm. A, B, A, B, A, B, C, A, B, yeah. right? It's going to do it over and over and over again. It's always going to come back to that. But what does everybody listen for in the blues? Everybody listens for the solo right. because you don't know where that's going to go. Right. But that's also why my kids don't like the blues because they oh, say it's boring. It's boring and predictable, yeah. 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 It's interesting, which I, of course, is. want to say about every... Pop song. Pop song. Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. you know, wh- whether it's uh, Ariana Grande or. Right, really, you know. I, I think I know where this Katy Perry song is going to go. Yeah, I'm She's going to sure. go, you know. Oh, let me yes. guess. Ah, uh, there uh, it is. Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, you can predict it, right? Yeah. But uh, that's, it's an interesting metaphor for marriage itself. I had no idea we were going to go this way, or, ooh, this way on this podcast, but it's interesting that those that feel initially so compatible mm-hmm. have a very difficult time lasting. Because inevitably, you hit a second note. Yeah. You hit a, a sixth. You hit a seventh. You yourself yeah. hit it because you change. Yeah. You have no idea what's going to come down and, and what's going to happen both around you and within you. That you begin. And it's interesting. Working with couples that, that finding out the biggest difference was, was not that they don't like the other person, it's that they don't know the other person mm. because they don't, they're not the same. Well, and yeah, that's the thing that they were. We, we tend to, and this is true not just in marriages. This is, uh, you see this especially in your family of origin. Yeah, well, I was thinking right. you see it in your workplace as well. In your workplace. But, yeah. you know, when, when we go home, or like you're going to have here in, in a few weeks when, uh, when, when all your family comes here for your daughter's graduation. The whole fam family. The whole fam family is coming here, right? Yep. And when you get around your family of origin, it's easy for you to fall back into the patterns and become the person you were when you were 17. Because your parents don't see you every day, right? Your parents don't see you all the time, and they have an idea in their head. You're kind of frozen. Of the notes that they are used to you playing. And so they come in playing the notes that they are used to playing when they were with you. Now, what's interesting is the time apart, They each person may have started playing a different tune Mm -hmm. themselves as they change and evolve as people. But when you get back in, in an effort to be harmonious, you go back to... 
Yeah. And yet, what if one person doesn't want to? Well, that's the that's. I mean, think about this too, because we we were talking about how the the mixed messages that yeah. we get sometimes. You yeah. know, be yourself, but yourself isn't very good, mm-hmm. or it's not. Live yet. up to your potential, but don't be full of yourself. That kind of stuff. Um, uh, we we champion growth, mm-hmm. but then sometimes when we come to like when we go to confrontation, you know, yeah. when our parents confront us, or when we confront a spouse, or vice versa. One of the things that one of the criticisms that's that gets leveled against the other person is you've changed. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who you are anymore. Well, okay, that part may, maybe we could talk about that, but mm-hmm. you've changed as a negative. Yeah, that's supposed to be a positive thing, right? Right. The fact that people are constantly evolving sure. and changing and growing. Because if we're used to singing in harmony with somebody and they start singing a different tune, then it forces us to evaluate our own tune because mm. now there's dissonance. Right. And it might even sound grating. And how comfortable am I mm-hmm. being separate? Still singing. How together do we have to be? Do we have to be so together that we're singing the same notes? Mm-hmm. Because that's unison. That's not harmony. True. So do we have to be singing the same notes or do we have in to be... some families, yes. Yeah. I would say in very unhealthy families. Right. Now, and whether uh, that means that I have to bully you yeah. into singing my note, yeah. or whether I go, fine, we'll sing yours. Yes. The passive-aggressive bully. Uh-huh. Right? Still an effort at control. Now, I'd say on the other side of the spectrum is the family that doesn't care what anybody else sings. Yeah, so that's just punk right. music. That just... <laughs> or doesn't care how it sounds, right? Yeah. We're just going to play a bunch of different complaints, or, or, you know, uh, modern jazz, or uh, freeform jazz, you know, Ornette Coleman and right. no, Charlie Hayden and some I'd, of those guys. I don't think that's unhealthy. I think we're going way to extreme of total anarchy where you don't even communicate, you don't even hear each other's notes. And there's no structure at right. all. Right, Yeah. Right? Because you don't care. Yeah. That's the opposite extreme. One In therapy world, we call it an open system and a closed system. And a closed means uh, that you have to sing the same note, mm-hmm. right? Sameness means conformity, means harmony. Mm-hmm. And it's not harmony, right? It's it's unison. Well, and then, know? so there there's on the opposite end of the spectrum, like you're talking about, right. where we're just all kind of freeforming, sure, we're, we're sure. chaos and we're right. anarchy. Uh, it, sometimes that gets reactive, where you start playing one song and I intentionally start playing a completely different song because I can't stand the idea that I might be playing the same song as you. Sure. I get sure. so locked into this oppositional mode because the last thing in the world I want is anything to do with you. So whatever song, whatever key signature you start in, I'm going to figure out what is the most clashing, dissonant thing, and I'm going to play it as loud as I can and give you the finger while I'm doing it. Yeah. Or... It's the saddest of all... Is that the saddest? The saddest. F, 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 what is, what is it? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, no, oh. The minor, <laughs> F minor. It's really the saddest of all the, the saddest keys. saddest of all the keys. Yes. So this one goes to 11. Yeah. You, it's an interesting way to understand teenage rebellion, too. Mm-hmm. Because the more you are forcing them to conform to yeah. your note sequence, the more in an effort to, quote unquote, be themselves, they will sing a note sequence that intentionally goes against the one you're wanting them to sing. And you just turn the volume up louder. Come on, we're going to do... Exactly, to try and drown it yeah. out and make we're them gonna conform. We're going to do You Are My Sunshine. Right. and then that they, was, That's always been your favorite song. And the difficulty is what you're actually teaching them is to conform. Yeah. But they will not conform to you. 
they'll conform to someone else. Someone else. Yeah. You're not teaching them to sing their own tune. You're teaching them to sing somebody else's tune. Right. Because you haven't been appreciating their ability to sing their own song, even though you've been telling them to be yourself. Yeah. You don't want it to be yourself if it forces you to evaluate who you are and the songs you've been singing. And that, uh, that's an interesting thing that happens as your kids get older and towards the life phase that we're entering into, the launching phase. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating the conversations that Jenny and I continually have with each new step. So you get in, you, she, she decides which school, right? So then you start putting on the calendar the dates of moving in. And then, like this morning, somebody, hey, my daughter just graduated college, and she has some things from her dorm room that she wants to give to mm. Hannah. So you're oh, looking yeah, yeah. at things that this is what she's going to be living with in a oh, place, okay. yeah. you know, 300 miles away. It's these punctuating things that say she necessarily needs to sing her own tune, and it needs to be as close to who she is in the process, it's interesting. I, I, going back to this original thing is how do you be yourself when you don't exactly know what mm-hmm. your favorite tune is? Yeah. You know? What that means is you're going to sing lots of different tunes. I mean, literally, my daughter has gone through four or five music phases. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Hannah Montana. Oh, yeah. To One Direction. To Country. Oof. Sorry yeah, about that, man. Yeah, it was Oof, it was a rough. That's rough. It was a rough, <laughs> rough, rough, rough passage. Rough times. And then now she's on this indie alt thing, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That finding her own tune. Yeah, it's but it, in junior high it was a certain way, and then ninth grade she decides she wants to play sports, and then last night she is honored at school. Oh yeah, congratulations! That to was her very cool. For this, well, she was honored uh, for two things. One was she lettered in two sports. What? Yeah, she lettered in two sports while having a certain GPA, and there was only fourteen kids that did it. And oh, they got wow. this honor, which was amazing. I never would have predicted that at yeah ever yeah, and uh, and then she gets this award for leadership and service and yeah. and. And that was really, really cool. But it, um, it, it tests your two things. It tests your ability to handle dissonance. Mm-hmm. I've actually had clients who are, that I used to, you know, when I used to do a lot more therapy, I would actually have clients who were struggling with their teenager. I would have them listen to certain jazz pieces. Yeah. Or modern composers like Charles Ives or somebody like that. I would really I would throw John Coltrane, train, Love yeah. Supreme, sure. which oh. has really That's difficult, really hard moments. to listen to. Yes, and I would say I want you to just evaluate why this is listed among the greatest albums of the 20th century. Right, and it really is. It's it's like the difference between drinking a Coke and drinking Scotch. It it's it's like, like it is that different. Well, it's like when my when my niece. I mean, from what I've read. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few summers ago, my niece, I think, was 17 or so, and I made a drink for her mom. We were at their house. It was in the summer, and I make this refreshing vodka drink Okay, okay for my sister, and we were going out to the pool, and and, and uh, my niece, her oldest, came in. She was oh, hot boy. and sweaty, and I had, it... I had not... I had only poured one half of the drink, and so it was so ice it's... with vodka, Oh boy! which she thought, whose water is water. this? Water. And went to drink it, and it wasn't pretty after no, that, as yeah, you can imagine. Sure, yeah. You know? It's also like this gag that we used to do. 
it's really awful. But it's it's when you have an Oreo eating contest, like you do it with a youth group and stuff, you okay. know, and you have all these guys yeah. and girls eating Oreos, sure. but yeah. you put one Oreo that you take the cream out and, and you, you put, put toothpaste, toothpaste in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a pleasant sight, but it's it's so much of that is is well, and it take for 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 some of those, you know, the the yeah. the toothpaste thing, especially. Because your your mind mm-hmm. tricks you. Sure, you're expecting. So you're one expecting thing. it to be one thing, and it takes. A, there's a time lapse. Yeah. It's not immediate. Mm-hmm. Like you take that first bite, and the first thing you taste is, Too and then you go, good. wait a second, that's not, huh? This is what is going on. And then while your brain kind of figures out what is happening, right? There's that moment. Th- then the light bulb comes on, and sometimes that's good. Yes. Sometimes that's how comedy works. You uh-huh. think it's going one way, and boom, it happens another way. Well, one especially when the audience knows, when the audience sure. is in on the joke, but the that's actor great. isn't. You know, yeah. that's what that's when we laugh because we feel like we're inside. And that's also the joy of magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's, but it, we have to build up our tolerance for that differentness mm-hmm. in all of our relationships. And to remember, Coltrane doesn't happen out of nowhere. No, Coltrane developed. Yeah. So early Coltrane sounds different from late Coltrane. Sure. And when you drop someone into late Coltrane, yeah, love supreme. They don't know what is going on yeah. exactly. You know, one if if you were to introduce them to early Train and then yeah. Train with Miles Davis and then introduce them to kind of more freeform sure stuff, it's a little bit more palatable. Right. Right. It is. Because <clears throat> we've but gone would... a little bit on that journey with him. Yes. What I will tell people is I don't personally like to listen to it. Neither do I. I, I appreciate it. Because I took a music appreciation class ah, and I okay. understood what was happening. And I understand right? historically the development, where sure. he was, what was going on in his life and but all of that I'm kind of stuff. I'm a huge jazz fan. You're a huge jazz yeah. fan. And neither one of us really love that album. No. Even though some jazz purists yeah. think it's the highest whatever of free form, whatever. But I, may, I would encourage them to listen to that just to try to gain an appreciation for... Your daughter is trying to figure out what her tune is, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, she does want to be in harmony with you, but she doesn't want to just be in melody with you. Yeah, that's the thing. She right? doesn't want to sing unison. No. And? She, she, she wants to have her own, and how can you learn to not just appreciate it, but encourage it? Yeah. I think, okay, you have either have to sing in unison or you have to sing a third or a fifth, yeah. and that's it. Right. Those are your options. The amount of rebellion, quote-unquote, I will allow you exactly. is very, very, very That small. is how separate I am comfortable with right. you being. Right. Yeah. But be yourself. Right. <laughs> yep. Okay, so That's let's the difficulty. L- let let me think about this personally. Okay, so uh, around here, mm-hmm. um, you and I are, are very similar in some ways. Yes, but we're also very different in yes. other ways. Yes, uh, that is something that you and I talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. I, this is kind of a peek behind the the curtains for for our twelve listeners. Yeah, um, because you and I aren't always in unison. Thank- we're we're right. rarely in unison. Thankfully, right. uh, we uh, we sometimes create dissonance in the office, and we those are things that we have to talk about. Yes, how uh, for me, how much of myself am I allowed to be? Right, 
And that's always the question. How separate can we be, you and I, be and still be together here at Scream Free? Right. These are things that, from a high-level leadership perspective, uh, some of our listeners probably have to deal with. Oh, absolutely. But it's in any workplace is, is, you know, are you feeling from on high the same pressure you felt as a kid that being asked to conform, being asked to conform, and then maybe being chided for not being innovative. (laughs) Right? Right, right, right. These are some of the central problems that we all face every day in our workplaces, and it's still the same principle. Is this this how much does this particular system allow for differentness mm. and actually encourage it because it actually can build much more richness in our product? Right. Right. It's a richer sound when you've got harmonies that are allowed to differentiate from one another. So it, it, the image that just came to my head was, mm. uh, you know, the opening sequence to The Simpsons. Yes. Uh, you get into the band room, and Lisa is in the band, and she's playing along with the band, Until but then she, she just off. goes off and does her own thing right. and ends up having to leave the band yes. room because she can't be in the same room and play the big Jerry Mulligan solo that she wants to play on that mm-hmm. very horn. So for somebody out there who may now be realizing, you know what? I've been limiting myself. Yeah. Uh, I have been singing unison and I've been allowing myself a little bit of harmony, but it's always been very gentle or very right. intuitive. But I want to be John Coltrane. Yeah. Maybe jumping into a Love Supreme-like solo out of nowhere... Is not the way to go. Well, right. See, what the thing is, if you've never, never fully allowed yourself to truly be yourself, yeah, then you're going to build up a resentment against yourself and you're going to project it against those the other people. that you think yeah. are prohibiting you from being yourself. Whether it's your spouse, your parents, your kids, your exactly. boss, your whomever. Exactly. Your religious God. Grouping. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And so it, it bursts out in this midlife crisis or nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. right? Or freak out moment. That, so much of all of our freaking out is because we have not been comfortable enough with being ourselves to try to listen for how is being myself going to come across to others if I haven't been doing it so far. I, I recently worked with a family family business, and they were intentionally making a very big move, a literal okay. move in a different direction. Okay. Okay. And it was causing a lot of disruption. Sure. But they weren't coming at this nilly-willy, but it was clear that one family leader who was equal to another family leader, but one was much more assertive in pushing for the move than Mm. the other. Okay. But had not clearly stated that. Mm. Everyone thought it because this guy was... Passive aggressively asking, you know, well, you know, what about this? Or you think about this? I mean, he was trying to steer. Yeah, but not feelers. Right. But, but sometimes we can be so subtle that people don't pick up on it. But people picked up on, or he was being manipulative. Oh, okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Without yeah. owning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. people would say behind his back, well, we're just going to do what he says anyways because he wants it. 
right? And he would say, "Oh my gosh, that's the last thing I want to do. Mm. I want to, I want to, you know, build co- consensus and it, all of that." Yeah. He's trying to build consensus, which is unison. Oh yeah, we all have yeah, to be sure. on the exact same we page, be on the same page, or else we can't make this move. Which means nobody's going to move yeah. anywhere, right? Because you'll never get everybody on the same page. Never. Right, especially when there's people, there's kids involved who yeah. don't have nearly as much decision-making power, and certainly shouldn't. Yeah. And finally, what the encouragement uh, needed, he needed to hear from me was what your family needs to hear from you is clearly stating your preference. That's the big thing. Clearly yeah. stating it. And own it. And not saying, "This is what we're going to do," but saying. This is what I would prefer to us do. Right. But I want to know what you clearly prefer to do. But I can't ask you. I've been asking you to state that before I've been willing to. Mm. And leaders, one of our principles in leadership is leaders go first. Right. I'm going to state clearly what I think is the best option. But... I'm also going to champion you to do the same. Yeah. Right? Because there's no way we can be in authentic harmony if neither one of us is singing our our authentic melody, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Right? Our notes. We we have to clearly stay in our lane, but we gotta figure out what that lane is and that and, we and need the to figure out what key signature we're in. To own it. Yeah. I can can I own this? I'm going to own this. And what's great is I talked to him uh, a couple nights ago and uh, over the weekend that's what happened. And it led to the fact that they found out that they were actually in agreement. Huh. You know what? I think I've been thinking that's the best option as well. Yeah. And now that's what they're going to do. And now it's about communicating to the kids the adjustments. But the kids have been ready for them to say something. Yeah, just move. So Let's I go. okay, and I'll push back against it, right? And they will, and they'll be upset, but they'll know. Because that upset process is them dealing with the new reality. Yeah. They're going to have to deal with that new reality at some point. So get them started by letting them know this is what we're doing. And not kind of hemming and hawing and whatever because I can't wait, can't make a move until we're all in consensus, which you know what means no, ro- no notes are ever going to be written on the page. <laughs> Do you know who uh, Benjamin Zander is? No. Ben Zander is a, a, a music a uh, guy and a uh, composer and a conductor okay. and a uh, and a tutor. He right. teaches music and he gets a lot of kid prodigies mm. as students. Right. And he says one of the things that uh it, that hinders a child prodigy mm-hmm. from really becoming a musical genius is that they're afraid to play the wrong notes. Mm-hmm. They're terrified of playing uh, the wrong notes, right. to, you know. And uh, and so he teaches them this this uh, wonderful little trick uh when they're playing along and uh, and they they maybe play something in the wrong sequence or they hit the wrong note or something like that. He says, "Put your hands in the air and say fascinating." Mm. Put your hands in the air and just say fascinating. <laughs> I love this idea yeah. that that uh, because when you play the wrong note, sometime that creates an opportunity to go somewhere new oh, that you hadn't absolutely. envisioned before. This is how composers create absolutely. new things, absolutely. and that's one of the beautiful things about jazz yeah. is. Uh, a good jazz musician will tell you there's no such thing as a wrong note. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no such thing as a wrong note. There's a new direction. It's fascinating. Mm. That's part of the process of failing well. Failing forward. Right. That it's it's this sense of that's where any newness ever occurs. Yeah. 
you know. But you have to be willing to take a risk of playing the quote unquote wrong note and risk being yourself. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things screen free. Two guys trying to figure out how to calm themselves down so that we can grow ourselves up so that we can get closer to the people who matter most. We'll talk to you more next week. Please.